When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the E! podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Justin Cohn from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. We are joined by a third party to start the show out, a very special guest, Iowa Heartlanders player Yuki Mira. Now this is an interesting this is interesting of a path you will see to the ECHL, I, believe me this on, the, on this one. Mira was born in Tokyo, 27 years old. Played in the USHL for a season before going to Lake Superior State University for four years. And he spent the last three years with the Iowa Heartlanders. Yuki, how are you? And thank you for joining us. I'm doing great. And thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. So I got to ask you to start out. Um, first, I want to know about, you know, starting hockey and as a young kid in Japan. And then kind of how it became the path that you would come to America and go the college route. Take us through that you know, introduction with, you know, your, your start with the sport. Yeah. So, you know, hockey is not a um, big sports. It's little, my, it's still minor in Japan, but luckily my father was a professional hockey player and uh, he actually played 1998 Nagano Olympic as a defenseman. Okay. Wow. And yeah, so I was really lucky to have him and, you know, like I started playing hockey when I was like two or three years old. And then until 16 or 17 years old, I kept playing hockey in Japan, like local hockey yeah. at school. But yeah, when I was in, when I was 17 years old, I went Czech Republic, uh, Litigi Klano, which is okay, uh, yeah. there's hockey team. And yes. I played there like U20 junior team for two and a half years. And I also got a chance to play senior senior teams hockey game like four four games of pro pro hockey so and last like my last year in czech republic um i got drafted by ushl waterloo blackhawks and then i think that was a great opportunity for me to come to the us to chase my dream to become an nhl hockey player and then that's my like the first step to come to the us and then, yeah, ended up here. So coming, yeah, actually came back to Iowa after the college. So it's kind of interesting, but I feel like this is my second home now. For sure. Yeah. So the youth scene of hockey in Japan, what's it like? Was it, you know, we're obviously at the highest level, but what's it kind of like? It's obviously a minor sport, but what's the youth hockey scene there like? Uh, I think it's getting bigger, like gradually, I'd say. Still uh, not a huge things but uh i think um like a lot of younger guys trying to come to the us or even europe to play in a higher level and i think that's a great thing and also like local whites um we like let's say in tokyo we have like five six um club hockey teams mm -hmm. and like two or three links so we kind of um it's kind of one of the hardest thing that you trying to find a ice time in japan because uh everyone shares hockey link and like a figure skaters and some other 
uh, sports on the ice too. So it's kind of hard to find the ice, but uh, people are still trying to get uh, time as much as possible. So yeah, going, I'd say, yeah. So I'm curious, Justin, I just gonna ask one more follow-up. I'm curious, maybe your dad told you this, but were the, those five or six rings, like was that mainly developed after or the lead up to the Olympics or were they always kind of there, most of them? Uh, like always there, I'll say. And then actually um, the number of the arena is uh, decreasing now because... Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's kind of hard and like we are having kind of tough time, but uh, still, still there though, so... That's awesome. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully it gets better and bigger in Japan too, yeah. So speaking of, you know, just ice availability, I, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that when you were going back to Japan, oh. like if you wanted to work out, you had to get ice like midnight to 2 a.m. Yeah. And that was part of the reason why you're now spending your off seasons in Iowa. Is, is that true? It's actually true, yeah. Um, wow. Midnight <laughs> I, training. Yeah, um, because, like, you know, junior, like, youth hockey and high school hockey, figure skate, like, all of these teams uh, using the time, like, during the day and the night. So mm -hmm. you're trying to find a ice. Like, let's say one of the top um, university hockey team in Tokyo has to practice from, like, 12 or 1 a.m. And it's really like a normal thing in Japan. So wow. it's really hard actually. And, uh, you know, student cannot have a, a good sleep and like every day. So it's kind of um, tough situation. And, you know, so that's that's one of the reasons why I stayed uh, here last summer. I mean, this summer, because mm -hmm. uh, uh, this is here, we had a like better setup and then more ice time availability and, you know, good time and also, I kind of wanted to have more connection and I wanted to help a uh, community here in Crowville to grow hockey. So that's why I decided to stay here for whole summer. See, in Fort Wayne, and I think it's probably like this in most cities, like during the summer, there's tons of pro guys and mm -hmm. they get together with college guys and maybe juniors guys and some high level high school guys and they all work together. It's like, I could go out to the rink and you just, you know, I get stories or you could just find all these great hockey players from different mm -hmm. backgrounds and different leagues. So I guess, you know, if you're in Tokyo and you're doing that, like, who are you skating with? Like, I mean, there's obviously a limited number of mm -hmm. pro guys like yourself. So, I mean, who would you even work out with there? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, last few summer, I worked with Yushiro Hirano, who played for Cincinnati Cyclones. And then mm. this year, he just got a call up from Yurika. Right. Yeah, and yeah, like that was uh, great. And also, there's a pro hockey team called, called Yokohama Grits. They're based in Yokohama, which is like our from Tokyo. And then they let us, uh, let me skate with them during the summer. So that was really helpful and I really appreciate um, the coaches there to like let me skate with them so that was great but uh yeah otherwise it's kind of hard to find like who you're gonna practice with <clears throat> so yeah it's kind of good when, yeah when you're in the states you know we always talk about the four major sports and, and mm -hmm. hockey is usually fourth behind you know baseball football basketball um I'm imagining in Japan, it starts with baseball. Maybe I'm wrong, but I guess what I'm asking is, 
is how many other sports are ahead of hockey in terms of popularity? I mean, what were the other sports people were maybe pushing you toward? Uh, I'd say, yeah, baseball is the number one sport in Japan. And then second uh, most popular one is soccer, I'd say. Yeah, soccer is getting really, really popular. And actually, Team Japan, like soccer, Team Japan's soccer team is doing really great for the last right. two years, including World Cup. And like they beat Germany, Spain, and like these top countries. So, yeah, soccer and baseball are the top two sports in Japan, I'd say. That's crazy. I mean, just in terms of the game and, and growing it, obviously the NHL went to Australia uh, recently for it. And I, I don't know if they have the dates for the next global series, but how do you think a, a global series would work in Tokyo? I think there'd be interest from in people to see an NHL game. That'd be, yeah, interesting. Um, I think a lot of people is going to be really excited if we actually do it in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. The problem is uh, we don't have arena like hockey arena in tokyo like a bit, yeah i like, see like we have like decent um hockey rink uh that smaller rinks yeah a little bit smaller so could be a different city maybe but yeah that that would be really great and then i think it's a great opportunity for people in japan who can watch the like best hockey in the world so at the some point yeah that would be nice if it, if it actually happens so you can't you made the decision obviously to go to the US college route. You're still in America now. Uh the pro game, you know, what is it about Iowa in particular that's had you stay there for so many years? Well, yeah. Um well, first of all, I really just love playing hockey. And then, you know, Iowa was the first team I talked with <clears throat> after the college. And uh yeah, that's my third year in <clears throat> had landers and then I was just I feel just I am really lucky because uh, uh, I I am from the day one of the hot landers and then yeah. it's really fun to see like how uh, teams getting bigger better and uh, how community uh, like hockey community is growing in Crowville so this is like one of the reasons why I love being in Iowa like it's it's fun to see like um, more kids start playing hockey after they watch Hotlanders game. So, yeah, I'm really proud uh, being playing for the Landers for three years. And then, yeah, hopefully we can uh, get more like good result and then involve more uh, people in community here. Yeah. So speaking of that, I mean, I, I, I heard that two years ago, there were only about 40 kids in like the youth hockey programs in and around Coralville. And now there was 140 last summer. I'm sure that was largely because you were there helping out with them. But uh, you know, what was that like teaching young kids there and what's it like to see the growth of, of hockey in Coralville? It's, it's so fun. Like, as you said, uh, it's like compared to first year, we had a lot of more kids uh, in, like our hockey school, like summer program, and then actually they're playing in the season, like as a junior Hotlanders, and that's really great. And then I've skated with the kids for this whole summer, and then they love hockey. Like they love watching our game, and they love playing the game. And so I think this is a great thing, uh, especially in Iowa. It's uh, you know. Uh, junior hockey is really big, but uh, youth hockey is still not a 
big in here, especially in Coralville. So um, I'm really happy to help them. And then they always um, wanna want to get better and they have a lot of passion to get better every day so it's really fun to skate with them and then teach some skills or some mindset to to get better so i'm i'm really happy with that david david fine the uh iowa broadcaster said i had to make sure to ask you about the word tenacity oh. and what it means to you and i guess it goes back to lake superior state um, I mean, it made sense to me because when you play Fort Wayne, I see a lot of tenacity on the ice, but, but what does it, what does it mean to you? Uh, you know, why is that important? Uh, yeah. Tenacity. Uh, that's my, I don't know, keyword. I, I'd say the most uh, important word for me to play hockey. Uh, so back in my second year in college, um, at the Lake state, um, <clears throat> after the games, uh, head coach, Damon Witten, uh, Came, came talk to me and then he told me that uh, you have to play with tenacity. And I didn't know that what the tenacity means at some point, at, at that point. But uh, yeah, after I um, Googled it and then understand the word tenacity means like, which like you have to play heavy, you have to be more like relentless like that. And then <clears throat> at that time, like the word really hit me because uh i thought i played with um with my like whole effort with 100 percent, but from the coach's perspective it was not enough and i just realized how i was lazy on the ice at the time so from that like every time before the before i step on the ice i always talk to myself like hey have a, have a tenacity play with with tenacity be tenacious whole shift so yeah i think that's that was uh one of the biggest um advice i got from college and then i really appreciate coach uh to talk to me about it i mean you've sorry jake i mean you, you've put up some points in the pros uh, i believe it's 12 goals 58 points in 128 games but you know what i'm hearing especially when you're talking about tenacity is is you're really trying to impact things you know, it doesn't have to be putting the puck in the net. You know, it can be putting a guy into the walls or just being a, a solid defensive player. I mean, is that what it is? Just making sure that you are impacting the game, even if it's not just scoring? Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, as a forward, you always want to score goal or get some assists. But uh, more than that, I want to contribute to win uh, the hockey games. And I think, I, especially this year, uh, in this team, my role is being good defensive player um because we got a lot of guys who can make a plays in offensive zone and if we can score a goal so but more than that i so that's why i'm focused on more the defensive sides let's say pk and like some d zone plays or like last five five minutes at the end of the game um i gotta be really heavy on the puck and we gotta be hard every play and yeah the reason why we had successful for the last 10 games like we got a eight nine uh, game streak point streak was because uh, we put a lot of effort on defensive sides and that was the uh, one of the reasons why we were successful so i think defense is really really huge in this league and i want to be one of the the guy who can always 
you know, block the shot, being heavy and going through the body like that guy. Yeah. So the Heartlanders this season, they've had a lot of tenacity as well. Big improvement from last year. What's the biggest difference from this year's team to last year? Uh, I'd say, yeah, defense is, is one of the biggest uh, thing because uh, Derek, uh, Derek Damon, our head coach, uh, put a lot of effort and the time on like how we defend, how we defense in the in the zone and how we absorb their uh, last place. So I think it really helped um, a lot. And also, um, we try to play the light way for the 60 minutes. And if mm. we actually do that, we have success. We're going to be successful at the end of the game. Um, <clears throat> on the other side, if we didn't play the light way or if we didn't follow the system, you know, we're going to have um, some like, terrible game, I'd say. So, like, I really uh, trust what Derek and, uh, like, our coach is going to trying to do it and then our job is just follow follow their system and then trust each other and just play the light away for a whole 60 minutes so i think yeah we're trying to um be and we are trying to play how we should play so yeah that's it you uh you brought up your father i, I think his name is takayuki is that, is that correct yeah um he was a defenseman right yes Okay, well, you're you're a forward. So how's that happen? I mean, did he try to push you towards defense? How different are you? <laughs> Actually, I used to play both defense and the forward when I grew up. But uh, you know, as the time goes, I was more comfortable playing forward. And then my dad wasn't not like um, forced me to play defense. So, but you know, the playing, the like, glow, glow, glowing up playing defense sometimes helped me, like how um i should be on the ice and then it these skills like for example like some skating like for skating basket back skating and how you use your stick um these things actually helped me a lot and and uh you know the time i spend with my dad for on the ice um is actually helping today i'd say so yeah, yeah i can't thank enough for him to have me glowing up and then ended up um, playing in this level. So I really appreciate my dad. I know I posted a video. I think it must have been two seasons ago when there was the kind of back-to-back games with Fort Wayne and Iowa and there was a bunch of brawls and, you know, and, and it was kind of funny to see how much, um, you know, just how many hits I was getting from Japan. Um, you know, like, like, do you feel like there are a lot of people following you from Japan and what you're doing? Or did I misread that a little bit? Uh, I mean, I don't know. But uh, hopefully, like, you know, um, when I always think when I was, um, when I decided to go from Japan to the, like, other country, like let's say Czech and then US. Um, I always wanted to grow and rise the hockey level in Japan. So that's the, one of the reasons why I keep trying and playing in this level. And I, I hope like some young kids watching me playing in this level and learn like how you have to play and to, to get this level and to get higher level. And I think those things gonna uh, glow more, um, you know, hockey, hockey level, um, improve and like get 
get better in the hockey level in Japan. So yeah, hopefully I want to kind of be kind of lower model, both on the ice and off the ice for young Japanese kids. Yeah. Because you've played on the national team, haven't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what's what's that like? Uh, I mean, it's it's fun. It's really fun. It's always um, being, you know, one of the most proud thing in my life, I'd say. Wearing Japanese uniform and playing for your country, it's always really fun and uh, being proud of that. And especially, you know, my as I said before, my dad played Olympics. So my one of the biggest goal as a hockey player is playing Olympic as a Japanese um, national team. So yeah, hopefully we like as a hockey level we gotta be more um, like we gotta be better for sure to to get to that level. So hopefully I can contribute like as an individual like for Team Japan too. Yeah. That's well, amazing. You, you help get Iowa to the playoffs. That'll help uh, that'll help accomplish that, right? Have, haven't right. made the playoffs yet, so that's got to be the, the primary goal for you guys. Yeah, that's actually true. And I think this year we really have a chance to do it. So we got to just keep it going. And then I know like it's not going to be easy because uh, since like I know like how um, teams in our division plays, like every team were really, really good. Every team has a great players. And then when like I always uh, surprised like how guys a great hockey player when I played against them. So like we know everyone was everyone that's playing hard and then uh, playing really smart hockey. So every every time we play, um, we gotta be ready for that and then we gotta be prepared for that. And then as I said, yeah, we gotta play the light way for sixty minutes and hopefully we can make it to the playoff for the first time in the franchise history. Awesome. Well, good luck in that, Yuki, and thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure, and best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. Well, that was pretty awesome. We uh, we definitely have set the bar high so far on guests. Miles Jack, we had uh, Yuki Mira as well. I, there's a lot of interesting people involved in the ECHL. Yeah, there really is. And and he's, I mean, he's always stood out to me. He he has played his best hockey against Fort Wayne. Um, he lights him up. Yeah, he, he really does. So I've always like noticed him and it really does go back to that, um, the, that, that brawl that I mentioned. It was like really weird. It was, it was their inaugural season and, you know, there was nothing there. And then I think Fort Wayne went out and played in Coralville for two or three straight nights and then just like all heck broke loose. And uh, then the next season, something similar happened. And he just kind of stands out as just like one of those hardworking guys. And it's like he doesn't put up a bunch of points, but you just always notice them. Mm-hmm. And to what he's talking about with, I mean, Iowa calling a spade a spade has been the weak link of the Central Division for the right. last couple of years. And the fact that they're now like not just good, they're like, really good i think eight one and one in their last nine has like really like totally changed the division because like every night is just a gauntlet and i mean they've got other than davis koch like probably nobody that really stands out but just a bunch of just really good reliable players and then in net they've had peyton jones Hunter Jones, both those guys have been great. They also have Drew DeRitter. So all of a sudden, Iowa is like a real um, 
factor, I think, in the whole league. And I'm not sure that most of us expected it. And, you know, kudos to them. So if they start having some some success, it would be nice to see more fans in the crowd. I mean, I understand, you know, the growth of youth hockey and stuff. But unfortunately, it's one of those markets that you do sometimes turn on. And you see a lot of empty seats, like a lot of empty seats. So hopefully they can start getting that going because that'd be really exciting, too. And the fact he's working with the youth in the area is pretty awesome as well. Oh yeah, I mean, like <laughs> that checks every box, right? I mean, it's I when I heard that number that they suddenly went up to like 140 players in the awesome. program this year. That's that's pretty cool for Coralville, Iowa. That's very cool for sure. Let's get to some big trades that happened in the ECHL. Three notable deals that took place, starting with Indian Jacksonville with a four-player trade. Luke Brown and Krill Chaika for Anthony Petruzzelli and Victor Hadfield. Yeah, in my neck of the woods, this was actually a really big deal for a couple reasons. Anthony Petruzzelli was Fort Wayne's captain last year, a very, excuse me, a very um, popular player. And one thing, if if you and other people don't know, is through his ECHL career, he has never missed a game because of injury or illness. So I forget what the, the number's up to right now. It's probably up to about 280 straight games. Is he so near the, Matt Register for the Ironman? Um, I'm not actually sure on that. Um, but, I mean, he, it's not technically an Ironman because he missed oh, I see. one or two games, but only because he was called up. He got called up to Chicago, I think it was, mm. for just like a cup of coffee. That's different. So, yeah. But he's never missed. And, and for a guy who's he's small, he's like, smaller than me um and plays a really high energy style um so he takes a beating let's just put it that way right and to never have missed because of an injury and there's been a cup there were a couple of close calls at fort wayne uh like a neon knee hit was one of them and we're like oh is he gonna play through this and it's become very clear that that streak means a lot to him and so he he, he bucked up and played in both those situations but so fort wayne was in this big rebuild uh, brought almost nobody back from last year, new coach, all that stuff. So he went and decided to go play in Europe. That didn't last very long. He was in Guilford. And then he came back and he signed with Jacksonville. And that made a bunch of sense. And he was playing okay. And then all of a sudden, this big trade happens last week. Now, the Indy Fuel, not off to a good start. They were a playoff team last year. Um, they've really taken a step back. So I can understand why they would make this move. They trade Luke Brown who's a, a, a solid score, a top two line forward. Kirill Chaika, who's a defenseman I like, you know, plays with some grit. And then they get Anthony Petrozelli and Victor Hadfield. Hadfield, I don't know a ton about, but I saw him last week and he looked really good. Um, but this whole Petrozelli situation is, I think, what everybody's focusing on because now he's back in the Central Division and he could play against Fort Wayne, I think it's maybe seven more times they meet. So that would be a big deal. So, um, you know, what we'll would the reaction is, be, do you think? Well, there's still a lot of Fort Wayne fans who are mad that he's not back. Now, there are different stories. Did they not want him back? Did he just leave? I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think he had it set up to go to Europe before the coaching change and all that stuff. Um but he still owns a house in Fort Wayne. So the belief was always, well, he'll probably come back someday, at mm. least, you know, maybe finish his career here. But now he's played for the fuel. Um, the thing about Fort Wayne Indy 
is it it's not much of a rivalry like back in the old ihl that was the rivalry i mean a lot right. of hatred a lot of stories but there's not much to it now but maybe this adds what it, it finally needed was just a little vigor for that rivalry so that's the first big trade um there was a big one the other day um not so much if you look at their numbers from this season but two guys we've talked about on the show, Tulsa and Redding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tulsa said tag Bertuzzi to Redding for Alec Butcher. Um, Redding, I, I would say, in particular of those two teams, off to a poor start. They're four nine and two. Uh, Tulsa eight six and two. But tag Bertuzzi hadn't done a whole lot, so sort of made some sense in in the respect of both teams trying to mix things up. But you know, tag Bertuzzi. Second year in a row where he's part of a huge trade. And when he is on, he is on. But when he is quiet, you start to wonder. But in Reading, I could see him having a lot of success. And then... Um, Can I say one thing about yeah. this one before we move on? It's interesting because like Butcher, too, compared to last year, bit of a dip somewhat production-wise. Like These sort of change of scenery deals, per se, have do they usually hit or are they usually just like you're throwing something and seeing what works because in theory it's always like oh well this guy's good and this guy's good but this year just not working out let's swap it and hopefully we can get something from it but from your experience does it really generally turn out that way i i i actually find that they do actually turn out and you had me thinking about it for a second i don't exactly know why that is except at this level it's just so much again about guys. Well, opportunity, but guys in the room, like sure. chemistry, you know, like the NHL. I feel like you can fix the chemistry if there are some issues. You know, I, I don't know why there's more staff. If you need to just call somebody up from the AHL, you know, you got more money, you can make those moves. But at this level, you know, it's easy to swap guys in and out, grab guys from the street. But a lot of it is just about, are the guys getting along? Are they gelling? Mm-hmm. Is this guy okay if he's not getting much ice time, whereas this guy skating 30 minutes a night? So I, I'm probably not explaining it well, but I do feel like for whatever reason, guys will be known as, pardon the cliche, a cancer with one team, and then they hit another team and they just strike gold. Yeah, they're everybody's got, they're everyone's favorite. Yeah, I mean, and, and at this level, if you have a guy and he just scores, like that makes up for everything. I mean, you mentioned Matt Register. He's moved around a good bit in his career. But like every team that has had him, like they have had success. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just because you get a defenseman with some size who's going to put up monster points. Of course, you're going to have some success. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is the case with him, but you're willing to overlook stuff for a guy who's just going to be that productive. Um, so I could absolutely see Tag Bertuzzi going to Redding and suddenly hitting and that being a big deal. So uh, the other trade I wanted to bring up, not going to tell you this is a big trade, but something interesting happened and we just talked about it on the show last week. So Fort Wayne trades William Provost, who was a great scorer in juniors, looked pretty good in his um, you know first few games with Fort Wayne last year, hadn't gotten much ice time. They trade him and defenseman Joe Yattenby to Allen, which was off to a horrible start, for Chad Butcher. Now, Chad Butcher is an established ECHL player. He'll score some goals. He'll be able to take faceoffs. He'll be high energy. Butcher shows up, plays two games. Fort Wayne looks good. And then all of a sudden, he leaves the team. 
<laughs> so we don't entirely know how do why. they frame it how do they frame it they framed it as a uh personal situation a personal matter that he needs to go deal with so he's um, gone on personal leave is what you're saying yes but they're already saying it's unlikely he comes back so the reason I bring this up is because we were asked in our mailbag oh, right. about right. players who do not report. Now, this is not actually clearly that situation. Um, right. but He's dealing with, we're not speculating, to be clear. Right. But the question is, okay, if you give up a bunch to get a player and he only shows up for two games and right. leaves, do you have any recourse? Is there anything that could have been done to solve this? That was basically the mailbag question. Yeah, This is weird because he played a couple games. It wasn't he just didn't report. So there are many obvious questions. Um, did Allen know that something was going on and not fully disclose it, which is at this level uh, considered operating in bad faith? Did they not know? Um, you know, it's basically gentlemen's agreement. Uh, but if a, a team, and I'm not saying that Allen necessarily did this, but if a team is operating continually in bad faith, um, you know, what's what's the recourse? Well, other teams aren't going to deal with you in the future. Well, but is it bad? You say bad faith, though, and it's like how much liability there is on the team? Well, it depends on the situation. This is not no, I a know. clear cut, but I do yeah. know situations where a guy has shown up and he's been injured and the team didn't say anything. And then the guy can't play. Okay, I see. Yeah. And, you know, in the EC, in the NHL, yeah, you just, you, you file a grievance and you bring in the players association, you do all those things. And yeah, you can sort of do this at this level, but really what ultimately happens is the ECHL office gets involved and they sort of mediate it. Um, but there's not much you can do to prevent this stuff at this level because there isn't yeah. the oversight. Now in this Fort Wayne Allen deal, there was one other component. And even though I've seen other reporting saying I'm wrong, I'm not wrong. There was future considerations. It was Washing provost, machine. provost and Gattenby for butcher and future considerations. So the simple resolution here is you get a little bit more in your future considerations than you probably thought you were going to get going into the deal. So in other words, maybe they thought, eh, we'll get a sixth or seventh defenseman. Maybe that now turns into a second or third defenseman. But the rub is it doesn't have to be resolved during the season. The deadline to complete these things, I don't know the date offhand, but it's probably in June. Uh, it may not be resolved till then. Uh, but just a unique, weird situation because we just talked about it. I don't think anybody did anything wrong. I think this is ECHL hockey stuff like this happens and everybody moves on but you know it does stink if you're fort wayne and you were hoping you you would solved your dearth of centermen and now you're out looking for another one let's head off coast to coast before we sign off today's show starting with the echl doing player safety videos question mark well i do want to mention one thing because you forgot we forgot to get to our prospect of the week real quick um well that was a false start by me yeah <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't worry. It was going to be quick anyway. Uh, I wanted to mention a prospect of the week. It is goaltender Ryan Bedard, excuse me, Bednard of the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Uh, Greenville is number one in defense in the league. Goaltending is a big part of it. Um, sorry, I just want to bring up a stat here. Um, are you doing Bednard? Are you doing analytics me. now? No, I just lost my screen. Bednard is 7-0-0 with a 1.84 goals against. And check this out, a 945 save percentage with one shutout. 
Now, they have two good goaltenders, both on Ontario Reign contracts. The other is Jacob Ingham, uh, but wanted to give some kudos to Ryan Bednard because he is off to an incredible start, leads the league in save percentage, and Greenville has been, I mean, I, I thought they'd be decent, but they are 14-2 and two right now, lead the very difficult South Division. So that is the prospect of the week. Uh, now, now we're going to go to coast to coast. Now we can get to coast to coast. Uh, ECHL. I'm not going to say that we should take some credit for this, but I think we should take some credit for this because even though they'll never admit it, I think we played a part in it. The ECHL is now doing player safety videos. Look at that. When they drop a suspension, they are now having awesome videos to explain why they're giving the suspension. They're breaking down the play in video, very much like they do in the NHL. Joe, you can send the invoice to us directly. (laughs) Yes, we talked about this on the show multiple times. I tweeted about it multiple times. Whoever made the decision, I did exchange a text with Joe, and I think he said that he wanted to have more transparency on that. Kudos to them. That's awesome. Idaho Steelheads have outscored their opponent's 38 to 16 during their current seven game win streak. They're off to another great start this year. The Kansas City Mavericks, who we talked about last year, last week, they are off to a 13 and four start. They are the league's least penalized team with 7.5 penalty minutes per game. Um, If you stay out of the box, you are going to have success, especially at this level. Redding's Yvonne Mongo is a player that I have become excited about. I've been watching him lately. He is on a six-game point streak with four goals and five assists. He is a bulldog out there, high-energy player. He will go attack the net. Uh, If Redding is going to have a resurgence, he will be a big part of it. A strange statistic regarding the Orlando Solar Bears, who I watched the other day uh, defeat the Savannah Ghost Pirates. There was a Kind of a wonky goal. I think it was Ben Carroll with like a millisecond remaining in the second period. They had to go to review, break down the clock, figure out whether the light was on, all that stuff. The goal counted. But here's the stat. Orlando is 6-0-0 when outshot by their opponent. So they're 6-0 and hmm. when they're outshot by their opponent. Not totally unlike what I'm seeing in Fort Wayne, where the emphasis has suddenly become not on quantity of shots, but on quality of shots. For eons in Fort Wayne, they have outshot their opponents every night. This year, they're getting outshot, but lately they've been winning regardless. And it's just like the coach here is like, I don't care what the shots are. I care what the score is. So sort of like that. Um, wanted to share my all-star ballot with you. Yes, I had to turn in my all-star ballot in November for a game in January. I get to pick six yeah, it's players. Almost December. Well, I get to pick six players. They may even throw out my ballot because most of the people voting are on teams, like work for the teams, and the, the team members are specifically only supposed to uh, vote for people in their own conference. But I was like, hey, I cover the whole league. I am voting for the whole league here, even if I can only pick six players. So I picked my goaltender was actually Peyton Jones of Iowa, not Bednard. And the reason was Peyton Jones has played 11 games to Bednard's seven. And I just felt like I wanted to see a larger body of work for that particular award. My defensemen are Connor Moore of the South Carolina Stingrays and Jalen Smerick of the Cincinnati Cyclones, 
who I believe is the early front runner for defenseman of the year. Uh, my forwards, Max Andreev of Kansas City, who has been hands down the best rookie in the league so far. Mitchell Fossier of Atlanta. Atlanta got off to a hot start. They have cooled off lately, but Fossier, not entirely sure what he's doing at the ECHL level. And the final forward, who is my early MVP favorite, is Idaho's Mark Rassel. Uh, he has been scoring goals galore. And... He's just off to a great start. And the last coast-to-coast note I will give you today, Samuel Laberge has been called to the New Jersey Devils. He is a former ECHL player with the Adirondack Thunder, the Allen Americans, and the Idaho Steelheads. So he is poised to become the latest ECHL alum to make his NHL debut. Good stuff there. All right. Thank you, Justin. And again, to Yuki for joining us Until next week, we'll uh, leave it there. And thank you so much for tuning in. Take care.